the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer in the maple auto mall near rutherford at highway 400 luxury is closer than you think round one tim hudak is here former leader of the ontario conservatives he's at the ontario real estate association now laura babcock from power group communications also host of her own show called the o show mark warner is here international trade lawyer um just uh, you know spontaneously off the top i was curious if any of you had heard our conversation with the deputy mayor of Toronto and uh, Tim Hudak I have a, a cascade of texts from people saying why isn't she running I want her to be my mayor <laughs> well there might be a slaughter a slot or two uh, open <laughs> um, uh, yeah I, I listened to the uh, the interview I I, I um, and, and you know a chance to prove yourself I guess in this uh, acting uh, mayor role and who knows a new mayor you may give her senior responsibility but, you know, just uh, ob- objectively did not have the profile uh, getting into it. Nothing that, that I heard there said I'd, I'd want to jump up and scream and say, get in the race and run. Good pool of candidates, and I think I've narrowed down my picks. Don't need another. Oh, okay. Laura Babcock, <laughs> I guess there's a certain serenity in accidentally inheriting the mayoralty, but knowing you've got an exit date. Possibly, because it was certainly a good interview. In fact, my son Darrow is sitting here with me listening to it, and he goes, wow, she's good. She should be mayor. So, <laughs> yeah. I love that she's a morning person, but if, it, if it's the fact that there's not a lot of risk for her, or she hasn't put a lot of money or, or whatever into uh, talking about these issues, she certainly has some good ideas and a good handle on the situation and, uh, and wouldn't be a bad alternative to some of the field that we're seeing who are running for mayor. And Mark Warner, the greatest qualifier would be, she sent me a text saying she really enjoyed the fact that we use Depeche Mode to introduce her, so she's got good yes. taste well, in I, music. Yeah, I guess I, I missed the interview, unfortunately, but I, it's funny because I, I just happened to read something about her yesterday, some tra- some um, road closing plan that she had uh, for Cabbage Town. I guess I saw something on Twitter um, for her bike lanes, and I thought, what a wingnut, and I thought, my goodness, <laughs> it's a good thing she didn't get into the mayoralty race, so... Yeah, I don't know. I didn't hear the interview. Maybe she compensated for that, but it struck me. Uh, I was also thinking what a low profile she's had since she's had the job. I haven't really heard her do much. So I was, in fact, I just commented to someone the other day, just just yesterday about the same thing, which is, uh, where is this lady? So um, I'm glad she talked to you at least. Yeah, I guess than our actual mayor. <laughs> I was just going to say, she's much more visible and engaged than our actual mayor, Andrea Horvath and Hamilton. So even if you think that's low profile, I think it's commendable that she's out there and she's giving these updates and handling a bunch of topics on the morning radio shows like John used to do. Well, you know what? Without getting into a grudge match, I will say, Laura Babcock, uh, we tried to get Andrea Horvath on the show recently about something very, very relevant, and she declined. And I thought, you know that you're the mayor, right? So Shocking on. John, shocking off. <laughs> Federal civil servants have begun a national strike. Uh, Mark Warner, are you necessarily impoverished by the fact that uh, civil servants are, I mean, largely it seems most services are going to continue? Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm fascinated by how you have a strike when everybody's working from home and how that's all going to work, the technical <laughs> points about that. It's, I saw someone say yesterday, uh, that this is not your daddy's uh, strike. <laughs> and we all grew up with that in the 70s over a certain age, I guess. Um, um, you know, the demands seem a bit weird to me. I mean, I, yes, there's inflation out there. There's always this issue with the governments about getting ahead of inflation, and public sector unions are obviously in a position to to sort of lead the parade in asking for, for it. Um, I, I'm not great and sympathetic uh, to uh, unions, John. I had to manage a group of public sector unionized lawyers, and when I want to 
make people laugh at a party, I start regaling them with the stories of managing lawyers in a public sector uh, union environment. So um, I hope they, I, you know, we'll see, we'll see what they, we'll see how far this goes um, on whether the government caves. And my guess is the government will eventually cave into them, but we'll see. Okay, I'm going to call you on that one day. I want to see your party piece. If if you can tell <laughs> jokes about unionized federal or, or provincial workers, uh, that will be fun. Uh, Tim Hudak, I think that Mark is absolutely right. This is not the way things were back in the 70s and 80s, where the entire country could be paralyzed by strikes. Yeah, that's uh, that's very true, and uh, I, I think they've got an uphill uphill battle. Uh, I find myself cheering for Trudeau in these circumstances. Um, look, uh, in order for a strike to be successful, the public has to feel it. So, why education workers, for example, or nurses have that power? Federal civil servants of process, you know, passports, immigration documents. I don't see that. There's very little sympathy for public sector unions in general, John, particularly at a national level where they kept their jobs, they had good pay, and worked from home. Home, and the pay demand of four and a half percent increase, you know, per year for three years, is really out of touch with what many people who are paying the taxes and paying the bills uh, are going through. The most interesting part here is they want to make work from home as part of the settlement. In my view, that is a management decision, not part of a union contract. We'll see if the government caves on that one. All right. Well, but it is a new issue, Laura Babcock, isn't it? It's, uh, and I yeah. imagine this is coming up in a lot of workplaces, whether or not you're unionized. Yeah, absolutely. I, every client I have, we've been discussing it since the start of the pandemic when it became at first an emergency measure, a crisis management tool to work from home. And then as the technology, uh, you know, advanced and people started to get comfortable with it, people started to shift their schedules and shift what it meant to be productive. And, and, you know, some businesses went to more of an outcomes oriented pedagogy as opposed to just being about, you know, I need to see you at your desk to prove that you're in your paycheck. So this is an issue that's not going to go away. I'm fascinated to see whether or not this can become part of these contracts, because certainly private companies are dealing with this request from their employees too. And to Tim's point, they have no sympathy from the public on this for all the reasons that Tim gave. So from a public relations point of view, they don't have the sympathy, but what they do have is a pressure point. Wait until there's backups at our borders or people can't get their passports in time for their trips that they have planned, and then you're going to start to see real pressure for them to come up to some kind of settlement with this union. The opposition parties are calling out Justin Trudeau for his family's vacation to Jamaica. I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that people just sort of resent a luxury vacation, but there is the added wrinkle of the person who hosted the Trudeau family having donated to Pierre Trudeau's foundation. Tim Hudak, what do you see here? I do it in opposition. Uh, I think this is good fodder. Uh, first of all, what caught my attention was this is another, you know, very wealthy acquaintance that looks like they've given the Trudeau family a, a free vacation. So they say long term friends. They got an ethics commissioner clearance. Ultimately, voters would have to decide if that is all kosher. But but secondly, there's no doubt that, you know, when you're in opposition politics, you, you uh, go after the chinks in the armor. And this is clearly uh, a vulnerability for Prime Minister Trudeau that he's seen as being increasingly out of touch with the circumstances of average Canadians. So I think Polyev is doing classic opposition tactics. I'd continue to hammer away. All right, Mark Warner, your thoughts? You know, I think it, it, it reveal. I think agree with a lot with what, what Tim said. I mean, I do think the connection with the Trudeau Foundation is interesting, and I, I think we'll have to watch that. I mean, it shows once again that the ethics commissioner is, is useless. I mean, I've, I've been quite enjoying following uh, 
the last ethics commissioner who resigned and some uh, with the, with some, uh, some critical comments of the government when he resigned. He's got a great tweet flow. You should follow him. I think it's Marcel E. Dion on Twitter. And he's been, he sort of wondered, where is this guy? Where was this guy when he was in government, <laughs> when he was the ethics commissioner? I would have liked to see that guy. Although he did, uh, notwithstanding his recent tweets, he did take to um, defend his decision to clear this trip, which seemed out of character with his recent tweets. Look, I think it, it reveals a lot. I think where this goes back to, I'd say, John, to me is to the very beginning with Justin Trudeau, we've never really got a sense of what this guy is really worth. There was one interview given way back in 2015 to a very good reporter for CTV, Glenn McGregor, where he was granted access to look at his papers for about an hour, couldn't take copies of it. And the amount of money that he reported having just really cannot be true, given who his father was and his father's profession, money before becoming prime minister and afterwards. And you know, being Canadians, we'd all rather talk about Donald Trump than actually ask questions about this. And I think that's part of the problem here is we just he's never really come clean with where, where the money is. Well, I mean, we don't have to dig that much deeper into this aspect of it. Laura Babcock, I'll welcome your thoughts. But my understanding always was that Pierre Trudeau left behind an estate of about $7 million. That is fantastic if you're in your 20s and inheriting it. It's not exactly swimming in money. Well, he's rich. Okay, can we just stipulate for the point of the argument that Trudeau is rich? He comes from a wealthy family. He got a big inheritance and he does well and he gets to travel. Uh, and you know what? And also, who else is rich? Polyev's rich. Polyev also has servants in Stornway in the opposition. The point is, these are rich people. Like you said this morning, John, a lot of people in politics are wealthy. Fine. I have nothing against that. And even if they want to go on trips, fine. Have at it. It's the public policy. It's their leadership. It's how they communicate. It's whether or not they advocate for people who they don't have the same experience of. So where this comes down with Trudeau, I think Clinton Foundation, every time I hear about the stupid Trudeau Foundation, why do politicians name foundations after themselves, even if they're squeaky clean? The perception is that somehow they benefit directly because it's in their name. Enough with the ego. Call it something different and raise money for good causes. But these ego foundations always get them into trouble. Almost at a racetrack here, but uh, two Ontario doctors have had to surrender their licenses after spreading uh, COVID uh, misinformation and granting vaccine exemptions to people who didn't deserve them. Tim Hudak, should we be up in arms or is this entirely deserved? Whether you like the rules or you don't like the rules, you got to follow the rules when you're in a professional association. And I think our regulators, including the College of Physicians, just need to be a lot tougher on their members. I'm glad to see them bring the hammer down. Thank you all. Good to have you. Laura Babcock, Tim Hudak, Mark Warner on a Wednesday morning on round one. Catch the round table. Round one at 745. Round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.